Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Furstenberg. And I'm Mark Tucker. And we are Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. It's been a busy week, Mark, hasn't it? It has. There's just been a lot going on. Um, hey, can I tell you about a, a side project I uh, finished that just got released to <laughs> Sure. To Alexa? Ta talking about stuff that's been going on, yeah. Yeah, no, I've, this has been a side project that I've been working on, you know, weekends and uh, late at night. Uh, it's called Home Number. It's an Alexa skill with a companion website where you can sign up to get a phone number. So you can treat it like it's your home phone number. Give it out to uh, people, you know, friends or family, or give it out to people that you don't want to be bothered with uh, you know, spam calls or anything. And uh, you, you give it out and you can receive uh, voicemails and SSML, SSMS messages, sorry. SMS. Or send out, send out Too many acronyms here. <laughs> send out texts or, or, or actually make a phone call through all through your Alexa device or through your um, web-based contact list. So Ooh, very, very cool. Yeah, so if you're interested in that, just uh, DM me on Twitter and I can give you some more information. That sounds pretty cool. I need to check that out as well, I think. Uh, as for personal projects, I launched a personal project as well last week, actually in, in conjunction with some of the stuff we'll be talking about today um, uh, called Crosstalk. And it is a voice first crossword puzzle, basically. And, and I have to admit, it was inspired by some of the printed crossword puzzles that you put out for Alexa Dev Days. I, oh, wanted, yeah. I wanted to do a crossword puzzle for, for um, assistant dev days and uh, I thought it would make sense to have one that was voice first so I went and developed a, a voice first version that has a, an excellent screen companion as well again the name is crosstalk so you could say you know talk to crosstalk on uh, a smart speaker on your um, uh, Android device or on a smart display so, yeah, so, a, so a couple of I side projects it. we've been doing. Yeah, so I, I actually played Crosstalk this last uh, week. Uh -oh. I finally got my uh, Nest Hub hooked back up after my uh, Wi-Fi disaster of last week. Um, and uh, had a good experience. It was, it was fun. It was nice to see on a display how it would uh, zoom into what, what was the group of letters that, uh, you know, that it was uh, working on. And you could... It just worked worked well, I, and I was puzzled um, on, <laughs> on, on one of them. Uh, five down on the Google Assistant Dev Days was uh, was the one that was challenging. I I used all kinds of different means. I I finally resorted to going through your Twitter feed and finding any word that ended in T that had an I in it. <laughs> I, I pulled that one directly from my my Twitter, and and what it was talking about, of course, was ambient. So one of the and, and I I guess if you now play it, you know what five down is. I'll give you that clue. <laughs> but I think it's important because that was really one of the driving points that they made during the keynote for Alexa mm -hmm. Dev, uh, for Assistant Dev Days, yeah. was, was how much they were trying to drive towards this notion that the assistant was going to be with you everywhere you were during the day. Yeah, so you know, so I I had been concentrating like on each of the different details of oh this this was released and this was released and this was released, and I you know I failed to take a step back and see what the overarching thing was, which was ambient, and uh, totally agree with you. And and we're going to talk today actually, right, um, right. about some of the details on uh, oh, Google yeah. Assistant Dev Days. So, so great event. It, it was an interesting event. One of the things you know, um, Brett Brett Kinsella, who we spoke with on his podcast last week. Uh, made a, a great comment at, at the the after party, basically. Uh, he said, you know, one of the things he said was that for developers, this fills a gap in their heart that was missing from the hardware event the previous week. And in some ways, I think that's true. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of said, you know, uh, hey, we didn't forget about you. And then it threw a bunch of stuff at us for us to digest. Mm -hmm. um, I've got some reservations about some of it, but, you know, Overall, I think it was a good event, but I, I also don't want to neglect the fact that uh, at Amazon's hardware event, there was some developer stuff that was hinted at. Yes, uh, and and that's the the dancing echo. So oh, the the dancing echo, I like that. So that's uh, you're talking about the new um, Echo Show that uh, that rotates to well, to the person that's speaking. Is that is that what that, we're referring to? The that that's the one. But it it sounds like. 
developers have some access to developers have yes. an API to work with it. Very interesting. So um, I was able to get a front row seat. I guess there was a separate feed for some reason for the, the Alexa hardware um, event. Uh, so I got to see some some things, and then there was a special Alexa champions invite mm. after that, where we got to to you know get some details on how you would code for that. Um, so basically, the uh, Echo Show screen is now on a 360 rotating base, and the screen can follow you. Um, it doesn't actually go a full 360 around because there is a stop point. So at which point it will like rotate back around the opposite direction. But <laughs> But that's okay. But you can actually de uh, develop for it. You can either have the screen follow you or within the screen frame, you can identify like a primary blob of, of, of something that it's following. And as you move in the screen, then you could rotate things on the screen. So they showed things like, uh, like a panoramic or you know, a panning uh, photo. Mm -hmm. And if, as you moved like this, then you would actually like see more of, of the photo. Um, there's a number of interesting things that That's you can cute. you can program for it, but um, you know there was like lots of stuff where people were saying it's creepy, but it's all you yeah, can turn yeah. it off and you can. But anyway, it doesn't go as far as I'd like it to though, because I would like to actually have like a game where it would rotate to a specific mm -hmm. spot where where a player was. Like imagine a card game where you don't want somebody else to see your hand. Oh sure, and it's so, a great it's a great way to provide private information. Yeah, so as it rotates to the yeah. next person, then it can show some information that the, only that person, but that's not available yet. But Hopefully so. Now it sounded also like there was a way to, to make the monitor dance, literally like well, dance in celebration. Oh yeah, you can make it vibrate. Um, oh, yeah, so, okay. Yeah, so, so yeah, so you can, you can, you can do, um, you know, just your typical rotation around the, uh, the axis. Um, but you could also add some like shimmy to it. So like if there was like an earthquake effect, you could have something going on in the screen. And that's cute. You see, I yeah. I like that because that starts it starts bringing this notion between the fact that we've got something online and and some real world physical presence. And I think that's one of the things I really like about where voice first in a broad mm. sense this this ambient computing notion in a broad sense is going because it says you know you've got a physical world that you're working in yeah here's how we bridge the digital world and the physical world yeah and it's uh, yeah it's just a little bit of delight factor so that was so that sounds like it's a fun thing um the but you're right the assistant event had a lot of stuff thrown at us i mean i i didn't count but it's at least a dozen or two things many of which are available now others of which are kind of hinted at and promised but it's, a, it's an awful lot of stuff. I think the first, and they grouped it up into three interesting chunks, which I yeah. thought was kind of interesting. So mobile was interesting. That mobile is very interesting. And I've got, I've got really mixed feelings about where they're going with mobile. Um, the, the first big notion that they presented there was this, uh, they, they previously had a couple of specialty intents for mobile. So you could say things like, um, ask Nike to start my run or, or even just, you know, start my run. And it would open up the app, the, the app on your Android phone triggered by your voice. Mm -hmm. So assistant and, is interpreting the voice, but then making something happen with an app that, that maybe, you know, isn't necessarily originally made for voice but you can deep, correct and deep link into it or something yeah or they start of, it well exactly one of the interesting things about most android apps is that they also have this notion of deep linking and this notion of intents except they weren't voice intents and they they use the same terminology even so you could say even before now you could have external triggers to an android app that would launch directly into a particular screen or do something specific in Android. And this has existed for years. This is nothing new on the Android side. Android developers are very, very familiar with this concept. What they added, I guess about a year, year and a half ago, was the ability to say, um, we're going to have in a, in a limited number of verticals a way for you to launch directly into some of these intents. Okay. 
but it was very, very limited. It was literally just launching in one intent, very narrow. Now they've expanded it and they've expanded in, in several big ways. Uh, for starters, they increased from, from what was originally four verticals now to 10 verticals. So previously there were narrow things like start a run, um, start a workout, uh, hail a taxi, to a wide range of stuff, including sending messages, uh, processing photos and taking photos, um, other social things, all sorts of communi other communication things, uh, more food prep stuff. Um, all told, there are now over 60 intents that you can trigger in a more native conversational way. Well, and so some of the examples that, at least, um, if I remember them, uh, Twitter, um, Wayfair, Mint, eBay, there were a number of ones that were showing off these new 60 uh, plus uh, built-in intents. Um, and uh, that reminds me of actually on just something that was recently announced on, on the Alexa side too, was this ability to do um, you know, deeper mobile integration. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly, there's very few intents actually. There's a, there's a couple ones like starting and searching, but then everything else is, is custom. You can, you can do your own. And the big example that they had at the Alexa event um, a while ago was TikTok. You could start TikTok and you could take a picture and you could, you know, just this, this big, uh, big thing. Um, it's, it's in preview. Um, so it seems like um, in, in a way, Alexa was catching up and kind of raised the bar a little bit and then- And then Google, Google raised the bar again, yeah. Quite a bit, right? Well, uh, I, I think the interesting thing also though is that previous to this, there wasn't a, a more generic way to say searching for something or starting, uh, you know, there, there were very narrow ways of doing it, but now they've opened up, they've created a very specific generic search for something through your app um, and, a, and a more generic way to launch things into different parts of your app. The goal though is very much, it's not conversational. It's still, I wouldn't say it's fire and forget, but it's much more, get you directly into the, the, the specific intent in your app and do something there. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's send a tweet. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you're not going to go in and do a lot with that. You're going to be dictating a tweet and sending it. But, you know, the, the, but, you know, the way that they approach it is, is a lot different than the old um, open app, do this. Right. Do right. that. You're, oh, you're very not much voice so. navigating. You're like, I want to do this thing, and it's, and this one thing is done a lot, and uh, I can benefit by doing it with voice, and so you can get right into what you need to do. Exactly, and I think that's a big thing that uh, that all of the that this whole voice first notion is really beginning to sink into people, is that it's not voice navigation. This isn't uh, taking accessibility and amping it up a little bit it's really trying to go in and saying, well, how do people do things? How do people think about doing things? They just want to do them. And yeah, what so are I, the, what I, are the top two or three or five use cases for this given app? And let's get people right into the nitty gritty there. Exactly. Um, now there's a downside to this. And I, there, there's, there's this one thing about this that really is really frustrating me. That they've launched these 60 new in, intents and these are fantastic but they only launch them for Android. So if you try, you know, if you go to your speaker and say, hey, gee, start a run, the speaker is not gonna know what to do with that yeah. because that's an app, not, or it's an, it's an app action, not an action. And I have problems with that. Now they did announce uh, two new, what they're calling built-in intents. So, so these 60 things are called built-in intents. Mm -hmm. They've now announced that smart speakers can handle three built-in intents, which um, we'll be able to soon. So, so they've mm -hmm. been able to support play a game for a while now. And now they, they're adding teach me something and read to me. Okay. As, and variants on these as well as built-in intents on the speaker side. So that's kind of a like an implicit intent way of getting to your skill or, or, or potentially or 
action in your case, getting to um, your voice app via something generic without invoking it by name. Exactly. Okay. And now I know Alexa sort of has this with the can I, what is it? The can, can fulfill intent request. Yes. That. That, that's been around for a while and I, I, I haven't seen any great um, success from using that. There were some other name-free invocation um, things that were um, released or, or I guess announced in preview at the Alexa event that I haven't been able, you know, I signed up for the preview and have not been able to get in yet. So mm. I, I don't know, but yeah, that's, that's more of a way. I think they're supposed to be able to pair together where if you do one and the other, it's supposed to increase your ability to, to, you know, it's basically the SEO way of getting to your skill. Um, yeah, this is all, this is all about yeah. SEO and discovery at this part yeah. of it. Well, interestingly, before we stop talking about uh, the mobile stuff is that uh, what Amazon announced is the same ability to deep link into mobile apps, but it includes iOS and Android. Interesting. So for, so you could, you know, use Alexa, on your phone to get into those things. And you, a number of phones, at least on my Android, I can replace Google Assistant with Alexa. Or if I'm in the Alexa app, I can voice command from there and then have that um, do the, the mobile invocation. I'm really curious, you know, I've, I've never seen anybody using uh, Assistant or Alexa for that matter on iOS. So it's, it, it interesting to me how it works and how well it works in both of those cases. Yeah, we have, we have some people on our uh, team that are um, you know, Apple fans. And so it um, seems, seems like it's working okay for them. Um, okay. But yeah, I don't have an iPhone. No, me neither. Um, no, so, so the other, you know, some of the other big things they talked about were improving ways for discovery and re, you know, retainability, making sure people can come back to it. So one of the things that, that I've had a lot of people ask me about, and it's not entirely clear exactly how some of this works, is how this increased discovery is going to work. Mm -hmm. So they were showing examples of you know, searching for uh, a pop music star and then it automatically surfaces other actions, sorry, yeah, other actions or other apps that may be able to provide that information as well. And when they talked about it technically, they basically said, and you don't need to do anything else. So I don't know how any of that actually works. Yeah, I was, I was pausing the, the, the screen uh, during the video at those different parts, trying to figure out where it was showing me this other thing. Is it something that's at the very bottom yeah, of the would screen? Be, or? Yeah, it said it'll show up in suggestion chips at the bottom. Oh, okay. Because I, I could vary. I'm like, I don't know where it's showing me. You know, it, they were like going so fast through the, the stuff. I was trying to figure out where, where this uh, additional discoverability on... on mobile apps were was coming from and I couldn't see it. Yeah, it's and it's again, it's through the assistant. So it's not clear exactly how this hooks in. One of the things I, I did find a lot in a lot of cases, what they were also saying is um, there's nothing really much that you can do to encourage, you know, to to encourage this, but feel free to say something about it in your app itself. You know, so so feel free to tell people about this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How are you going to tell them? <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> it, well, again, it, it kind of goes back to the 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 you know, customer retention is being able to say, you know, come back, you know, when, whenever you do these other things, you may be suggested to us, and we're here. Um, okay, that's that's interesting. But yeah. it's it's it, but it's it's nothing like you know the the shared routines that I think are new on the Alexa side, right? Um. Yeah, shared routines are interesting um, because you know you can do all kinds of things with routines. Um, they can be triggered from a number of different things, and you can have it do things. Like I have my uh, assistant uh, every day at eight thirty give me an affirmation or something. So, um, but only on certain devices. Uh, but you can um, even have like a voice phrase. Like maybe you don't remember exactly what it is to start something, or it's extra long you can give it your own voice phrase and personalize mm -hmm. it so 
that you can uh, kick off routines. Well, now if you've got, if you're um, a creator of these routines, especially like if you have a custom skill and you have a routine that's good around that, then you could actually uh, copy that uh, routine and turns into a URL that you can then share around on social media or to, I guess, send the friends and family and then they can uh, click on it and uh, then it brings it up in their app just as if they had typed all the stuff in, but all the fields are filled in and they can hit save or they can customize it however they want at that point. So that's interesting. Um, that's pretty neat. Yeah. It would be more useful if you could start an Alexa skill deep linked into a specific intent as opposed to just launching it. Um, I know that's been something that I've been. Have we talked about this before? Because that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did this whole Twitter campaign where every day I'd say, see, I, I finally got it up to, I think it's number six on the oh, right. Alexa okay. user voice. Um, it's got over you know, 100 different uh, people that want the feature, but it's been out there for a I year. I feel like I'm surprised every time we talk about this, because I'm like, how, how do they not support this? I don't know. I, I so mean, yeah, it, it would be so much more useful if I could deep link into a specific intent, share that routine, and bam. See, and the equivalent complaint on the Google side, which is not the same, because we can deep link in, is that we want to be able to deep link in and provide user parameters at the same time. So while you can create a routine and hard code in parameters. Oh, you can't. You can't create a routine and say, and let the user say something that fills in this. Mm -hmm. So for example, I can create a routine that says record my weight and it'll prompt me for my weight and, and, you know, and I say it and we're done. Mm -hmm. But I can't have something that says, you know, uh, tell record my weight that I weighed in at, you know, 185. Because you can't give it parameters in your invocation phrase. It has to be a constant invocation phrase. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's got to be coming because that's... Um, I don't know. We've been asking for it for like two years. So. Okay. Well, maybe but, we'll get up first. Who knows? But, but... In two years from now. But it does, but it, it does lead to the fact that we, we now have something called app shortcuts. Yes, on the yeah. Google side. That's that was confusion with me. I was like, okay, and and part of it I think was me struggling trying to say this was this is in the mobile app bucket and this is in the assistant device smart speaker smart display bucket. Um, so yeah, what is the difference between routines and and shortcuts? I'd love to know. One of the things to keep in mind is that before routines were called routines, they were called shortcuts. Interesting. So I don't think these are the same shortcuts, but there are a lot of things about this that at least aren't very clear to me yet so far. Um, so is it just app, mobile apps? Just a way it, of personalizing? It, so it's kind of like a, a very specific routine that's just for apps? It's a very specific routine that is just for apps. It has the interesting feature that it can be maintained by voice. So it's a voice first command to create them, which oh, is unique. That is. Um, it's also, and it's not quite clear to me how it relates to a couple of other announcements they've made on the Android side recently so that you can create, I think that, you know, you can create uh, triggers that are sitting on the home screen. And these are accessibility features. Um, and in fact, they made another accessibility feature announcement related to this just last week. Um, so it may be related to that part of it, and yet they're they're making it more public and not trying to hide it behind an accessibility hmm. uh, facade. I don't yeah. know. And for all I know, it actually just leverages routines under the hood and doesn't tell anyone. Um, but it sure does sound it sure does sound familiar. I think the yeah. other big difference is that routines can do a bunch of things. So you can say, you know, uh, turn on these three lights, play this music, right. and, you know, tell me something. Or, lots of triggers, lots of actions. Right, lots of triggers, you know, invoke this action, then this action, then this action, and each one is going to give me some, some summary. A shortcut just runs one app action, or okay. invokes one app action intent. But it released with quite a few um, apps that that allow you to do that. So I, I was pretty impressed when I brought up the list and and saw that there were quite a few. Uh, yeah, 
one of that one were of the, available. One of the neat things, and I've got to give them a lot of credit on this one, uh, about the event in general, is that they were clearly pitching the event, pitching this part of the event to Android users. And they were saying, if you develop an Android app now, you can make it voice enabled in less than a day. Mm -hmm. And when you looked at the technical side of what they were doing, it's basically saying, add these commands to, an X, to this XML file. And poof, you're, you're invoking, you know, this will suddenly yeah. start working. Um, so it was very much trying to pull in Android developers into the voice world. Yeah. And I no, think, that is, yeah. And while I think that's a really, really smart strategy in some ways, I have, I have two big concerns about it. And the first is that it now creates this really big divide that you now have some things that will work on Android only and some things that will work everywhere on the assistant, what they call native assistant. And that bothers me because that that's, you know, you now need to start thinking, well, where is this going to work? You know, is this an app action and I don't remember that or, you know, can I do it on my speaker? You know, so that I'm a little worried about that. And I'm a little worried about how, what that says about ambient computing, but we'll see. And I think yeah. the, the other angle is that there's no clear migration path from an app action to a native action. So since not all of the intents, not all of the built-in intents are supported, I can't do start a run for my smart speaker, even though I'm about to go running on a treadmill and not mm -hmm. outside. Um, I don't have this fluidity of uh, being able to move from one platform to another. And we're just getting over this problem on web versus mobile. We're, yeah. we're, we're finally just beginning to solve, you know, to, to get past this barrier. And now we go and create it again in voice. And uh, we don't learn as developers. No, we don't. We yeah. <laughs> as developers, we really don't. <laughs> um, in some ways, we're constantly learning new things, and we're you know. But some of the the overarching uh, it seems like we make problems for ourselves at times. <laughs> Sometimes. I'm just trying to give us a benefit <laughs> of the doubt, you know. Uh, so the other, so, so I think that was pretty much everything on the mobile side. And again, it's all really, really exciting stuff. And most of it's available now. It's, uh, you know, they're, they're encouraging people to go try it out and, and work with it and start getting stuff out there. So that's good. Yeah, that is good. Um, so the second category of stuff that they dove into or introduced were, again, what they're now calling native assistant development. And that's the traditional conversational development that you and I, you know, that's most similar to Alexa stuff and what most of what I do. So there were a few announcements about the interactive canvas, which were exciting. Yeah. And uh, a lot of other things which sound really, really interesting, but aren't available yet. And a couple of little announcements. Well, I thought it was really interesting because that transition from the, the app to the assistant was this Oh, you don't like the two voices that we've got? We've got we've made them better. And I was like, okay, I guess that's kind of an interesting way to throw that in. And that's kind of weird, actually, since actually they have six voices now. Yeah. Or before then they had six voices, and then you know, they're making a big deal about these two new voices. And I'm like, okay, they're two new voices. Yeah. <laughs> and just for English. Yeah. You know, because there's on poli side, there's probably uh, U.S. English. There's probably like six different voices um, that you could choose from, but only some of them are actually more of the the more natural sounding. I don't, I don't remember. There's all, all kinds of branding or terminology of yeah how the how they're calling these these other you know special extra high fidelity voices. But um, and and I probably should have mentioned this. But you know, the, this U.S. only angle bothers me a bit, and it, it's one of the things yeah. actually when I went and looked into some of the details on the Android side that bothered me as well is that a lot of them are also U.S. only right now. Yeah, and that surprises and bothers me a great deal. I was really expecting more internationalization announcements from Google with this event. 
Yeah, and that's a big, um, you know, I guess complaint from international developers that I hear also from the Alexa event was, okay, now how many of these are really available to outside of US? And yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, that would be, that would get old <laughs> after a while yeah. of hearing all these things and like, okay, well, who knows when I'm gonna get access to that. Yeah, and, and also, you know, one of the things Google likes to talk about is, you know, the next billion users. Where do we get the next billion users from? How do we support them? What do they need? What are they, how are they different from the first billion? The next billion is not in the US. Yeah. So, so, you know, so doing more pitches to the US, it seems like there are huge missed opportunities from both companies, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, it does sound like that. So on, on, I think the, the, the interesting stuff that we saw on the, the native assistant side was with the interactive canvas. Yes, so, I'm a fan of Interactive Canvas. I'm a massive fan of Interactive Canvas. I want to see Interactive Canvas on smart speakers, and we can discuss that another time. Interesting. Um, so it, Interactive Canvas is using web technologies for smart displays on uh, Google Assistant. So right. Nest, Nest Well, uh, not just smart displays. It's anything that has a, dis uh, sorry, it, it is smart displays and Android. Oh, okay. So all of the interactive Canvas stuff also works on, on the Android Assistant, which okay. in a lot of ways is really cool. But yeah, it's, it's taking the web technologies that we're familiar with already. It's HTML and CSS and JavaScript or WebAssembly or you know almost anything that you can do today in Chrome, yeah. you, you do it on a display. In the well, assistant. and it's not dictating what library you're using. You could use any web free, you know, 3D exactly. library or 2D games library, or you could use a Angular or Vue.js or React. You can use whatever you want. Whatever you want. Um, uh, and like I said, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, they say JavaScript, but it's really, it's, it includes things like WebAssembly. So if you're developing in C Sharp and you're compiling to WebAssembly these days, it'll work in almost all cases. Um, so it was originally limited to games, which Alexa, um, their web API for games is the, I guess, the competing or corresponding uh, technology. The, the, the parallel. The cousin? Yeah, yeah, okay, cousin. The platform cousin, I don't know. Um, yep. uh, but, but yeah, but now it's open to more, right? Right, so now they've also opened it up to two new verticals, uh, education and um, storytelling. And again, these two verticals match the two verticals that they also just opened up a bunch of built-in intents for. So it's, it's no surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see any reason why those, uh, specifically those two additional categories shouldn't allow web API. There's a number of reasons that I've been given on the Alexa side of why you want to use, uh, you wouldn't want to use web API for everything. Um, I, I finally saw and, and in some ways I see I, I'm like, okay, I see that, but there's these other two categories are are so much closer to games than utility apps or whatever that uh, I, I see no reason why Alexa shouldn't immediately open up for those two categories too. There's no reason why no, you know I, and in fact, I, I strongly suspect that what we were actually seeing for a lot of the education ones was that they were creeping in under a game category yeah. Yeah. and you know silently telling people eh, you know it's it's a game but really it's an educational game you can yeah um so you know it, it doesn't surprise me that they finally just caved in and said look you don't need to pretend to be a game now we'll we'll let you in um one of the frustrating things though is both of these are coming soon so they're not actually available today they are coming soon Hmm. How soon, I don't know, but I can't imagine this is a long, you know, this will take all that long. This seems just more like an administrative thing. Like, okay, now when you submit it and it's this, this category, just go ahead and evaluate this. Well, as, as... It, it is administrative in some ways. The problem is that has a technical angle to it because the console requires you to set what, what category it is. And the interactive canvas won't even be enabled for non-game categories right now. You can't okay. even get it. Yeah, that's that's that should have been already out. There's no right. reason why that couldn't have been. Yeah. Right. 
Um, one of the interesting things, though, is also the tell me a story one mm -hmm. is tied to uh, family actions. So if you are applying for a tell me a story for the storytelling one, you must be certified as a family friendly action. And that's, again, a checkbox on the console, but it's got some additional restrictions to, to licensing. And stuff. So, so storytelling in, in that context is fr family friendly storytelling as yes. a graphic novel or you know, whatever else, right? Yes, which on one hand I can understand, and on another hand, I think it's kind of frustrating because, you know, there are certainly broad categories of storytelling that I would not consider family friendly, but are still perfectly appropriate for this sort of thing. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of, um, there, there, you know, there are lots of podcasts out there which are storytelling in nature and I think could be enhanced by a visual aspect that goes with them. Yeah, yeah. But they seem to be restricted in this case. And on one hand, I get why, but it seems, you know, it seems like an odd restriction. Um, to go along with this, you know, so to go along with this, they've introduced a new website for developers to, you know, highlight the game development process with voice, which is always good. Um, and coming soon will for interactive canvas only is what they call continuous match mode. And this is really, really interesting. Yeah. I like that. Actually, it was keep the microphone open and just uh, quick fire. You don't have to do this turn taking. It's, it's, it, it really highlights the fact that more and more processing gets done locally on the device. So there are caveats and limitations. So this isn't the full intent matching. This isn't, you know, conversational. This is literally give us a list of words. And if the user says one of these words with the microphone open, you'll get an event, which works in some ways and doesn't work in others. So for example, Crosstalk does not use it because I don't want to limit what words you're saying. Um, so there's, you know, caveats like that, but overall pushing things locally, I think is a huge, huge win. Yeah, I'd agree. So the, no, interesting implementation. I, I could see why they would limit which words it would listen for, because then that really does um, up the security of it that uh, you're not no, just definitely. keeping yeah. the mic open. There are a lot of restrictions attached to it, you know, so it limits what words are there. The mic can only be open for a fixed period of time. Um, I think it even encourages you to play background music while the mic is open so that it's, you're, you're, you know, so that the user is aware that the mic is open and it fits in nicely with the game. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very much aimed at a very, very narrow um, set of use cases. But I think for those use cases, it's amazing. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I, I would expect that something like that would uh, move over to the Alexa site at some point because there's, I think there's going to be a little bit of copying going on and I think that's a good thing. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing that we've got these two companies that are competing against each other and yeah. trying to keep trying to one up each other because that's how we get progress, really. Yeah, that's true. We get a lot faster progress when we're like, oh, well, your competitor has this feature. How often do you say that to, to the team as a, as a champion? Because <laughs> I know I, some very original times. Yeah, I, I definitely do. And I, I, I'm not as shy to, to you know, use the G word and say, you know, this platform has this feature and has had it for X number of, you know. Oh, I, I, I use that all the time. Anyway, don't want to draw things out too much. Um, <laughs> so another interesting thing that so so they they highlighted a little bit the actions builder right. and uh some improvements and changes that are coming to it one one that they one of the things i loved is that they talk about how it's now working faster which is an interesting way to say and we fixed that bug that you guys have been complaining about for a few months now um <laughs> there was there was a bug where it wouldn't catch that you deploy you know that you updated it and would keep testing against a previous conversation model um, so I, I think that's them saying we fixed that bug, um, and you know you've been asking for features like trying to find, uh, doing doing searches, trying to find an intent, or trying to find matches. So that's now coming as well. So so good little little but good improvements to the editor. 
and we're getting a testing API apparently, which yeah. sounds fantastic. Um, but we don't have it yet. So I can't so tell you how fantastic a, it is. Is this testing of the, of the code, the actual intent code, or is it testing of like the language model? Do you? It is testing of a conversation as I understand it. Hmm. So you've always been able to, to run tests against your own webhooks. That's, that's no big deal. What this appears to do is it provides a way that you can now using standard testing, you know, test-driven development type stuff um, and testing the conversation model and testing the whole conversation flow. So you'll be able, for example, to, as I understand, from what it sounds like, and this is kind of hinted a bit at some recent changes in dialogue flow as well, um, you'll be able to record a conversation using the Actions Builder test tool the, the tool that we have today, you'll be able to record one of those and then play it back through your test framework and test the results. Okay, interesting. So this, so this way, what you'll be able to do is go through a, a flow, record it, and then automatically keep testing it in the future to see if, it, if you've broken a conversation flow somehow. Okay, well, that's interesting because, you know, out of the box with Alexi, we have two different types of uh, model testing, you know, the ASR, which you would give some sort of a voice recording and it would uh, let you know what, uh, what Alexa heard it as you saying, you know, um, and then the NLU side, which would be, you could pass it a string and it would tell you um, which intent it mapped to. And so that's just language model changing. There's a whole series of tools out from Bespoken, and I'd be interested in how they work with, um, with Google Assistant. But on the Alexa side, there's a lot of things you can do for unit testing or interaction testing, and um, you can set up configuration files. And even if you have like variations in how a response is going to be said, you can test if one of those things were the response as opposed to something else. So, Bespoken uh, has some interesting stuff. They do. Um, so if you're definitely interested in, in uh, testing, seriously testing your voice uh, apps, then check out Bespoken. Yep. I do have a question though, because uh, we're talking Actions Builder and you've been talking Actions Builder for a while and now there's this dialogue flow migration tool. Yeah. And everything that I've been doing with Jovo has been using dialogue flow version two um, for a while now. Um, is it time for me to, to migrate to Actions Builder or are there features that I will be missing out on? So, um, so two what? things. So, so two great answers here. The first is we now have a dialogue flow conversion tool that was announced. Yeah. Uh, and it does a passable job. Uh, I would, it, it's certainly not completely automated. The biggest part is that you can actually upgrade a project from dialogue flow to actions builder, which you couldn't do before. Mm -hmm. um, but the second is that Jovo now has actions builder support directly. Yes. So that was a great announcement, you know, so, so uh, Jovo and VoiceFlow were both mentioned right on the stage as partners in this. And that was yeah, fantastic. And, the, and the, I immediately just thought when that happened, it's like, it's just obviously that these are the two leaders, one in the, in the no code or low code um, frame, you know, with VoiceFlow or with um, all code, Jovo, um, the fact that, that uh, Google highlighted them and the fact that I use them, you know, I've been using them for years, uh, using you know, Jovo for years on, on the Alexa side of things, and I know VoiceFlow supported it. It's just obvious to me that these are two market leaders that you need to take seriously. So yeah, if you're doing some, some homegrown um, framework, um, it's time to, to seriously consider switching to Jovo. So as for switching to Actions Builder, I would do it. I, you know, I've had several big projects that I've been holding off on moving over until the until the conversion tool was available uh and now that it is i need to to make an effort to move over because there are a couple of things that you don't get admittedly you know so if you are trying to do things with location that's not available yet but 90 percent of the stuff that most people are doing definitely you'll you'll win out by moving over to actions builder and all the new features are only available for actions builder yeah. Now, what about, um, I have a number of different like custom, I, I guess, entities or, you know, slot types that I define my own definition. Is that? No, oh, those that, move over fine. 
those people will find out uh, what if I have some situations where I have slot types that are built in types like phone number or I, I don't know, is, are there a number of, are all of those going to be able to migrate over or are they, there? They are not. So, and I, I haven't checked out all of the built-ins, how they have, what the conversion tool recommends for converting over built-in ones like okay. that. But no, phone number isn't moved over. Um, pretty much they went and just supported the most basic types of uh, any and, or the, there's an equivalent to any um, number, date, uh, right. So, so those move over, but some of the more esoteric ones, like first name, which never made much sense in the first place, uh, those those don't get those don't come over. So, I guess what happens because there was some built-in in, say, now we're we're using terms that I don't know what I would consider a built-in entity or uh -huh. built-in slot type, which would be, um, which would be person, which would be person names that was like a whole model list of of people's names right. but you don't have to pre pre program you know the problem, the problem with those the problem with those in the first place is that it wasn't a full list of names so it would yeah. reject some people's names sometimes and even there's even if it was open-ended well they're not open-ended lists of names ah so in those cases i would have to so i guess i'm trying to think on the alexa side because there is a list of names and they're open on people's names. If I had something that needed to have a slot type of person's name, then I would have to create a list of people's names for the Google side of things. Either and create a list or just go down to an any type, which, oh, which accepts anything. I, I guess that's true. So there's, there's, there's already an open-ended type. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I keep forgetting about the, you get the, the whole text and any is something. Right. Any is, is a totally valid option. And all right. Well, okay. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll have to do that sooner than later. I, I would. I, I think where Actions Builder is going really encourages a lot of things. I think the whole concept of a conversation flow modeling makes a lot of sense from what, what most conversations are trying to do. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, good to know. Um, the other thing that you and I have talked about, in fact, it was our first show, was, uh, was Action Links. So Action yes. Links... Action links are no more. They're now assistant oh. links. Oh, okay. They're still there. And they're the exact same thing. <laughs> I think. They they're... seemed like they were. There were well, some additional ones. Like I, I, I dove into one of the other videos and uh, it was talking about JavaScript stuff and yeah. there, there account is this... linking and with the action link. There, uh, is assistant so link. There, there is something they call a rich assistant link. And to yeah. use rich assistant links, you need to load in a library and you need to do some custom tags. And that's about all I can figure out. I wish I was a rich voice dev. I wish I, if you I was just put a rich, rich on their front of it. Da, 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 da. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was Fiddler on the Roof. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I'm going to have that in my head all day today. Um, that will actually probably help my day go better. It's thinking about a uh, little Tevia on the... Tevia dancing around, yes. Yeah, okay. Where were we? Yes, so, so it includes uh, a JavaScript library and apparently it renders a button and it sends across account linking information if you've already, account, if you've already linked them on your side. But it's not clear to me what that gives you. And it's not clear to me what any of this does. And when I tried it out this weekend, it completely didn't work. Okay. Well, and, and it is, however, one of the only things that is available today on the native oh, assistant side. Um, but I can't get it to work. All right. So more documentation needed. Much better documentation needed. That's for certain. Um, but it does raise, the, you know, when talking about account linking, there are supposedly a new way to do account linking called Link with Google. And they kind of say this as if you enable Link with Google, then, and you have an, a native app solution, then you'll be able to go over to the native app and log them in and it'll just work. Mm -hmm. And how this is different from 
app flip, which is already there, is completely unclear to me. But what it sounds like is it's the, you know, it's, it's the, um, what I was trying to describe, I guess, in one of our previous episodes about app to app account linking, where instead of starting with the uh, login for your Amazon account and then later having the login for your, your website that goes along with your app, they flip it around and you, and you're already in the website or the mobile, maybe, it, maybe it's just mobile on, on the Google side, I'm not sure, but you, you, you're inside that login first and then you go and do the, uh, the final step of linking to your account, linking to your app. Maybe. And um, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't, I don't fully get this yet. Okay. The, the best I can figure out is that maybe one of them involves hooks to OAuth and the other one doesn't involve doesn't. hooks to OAuth. I, I honestly can't tell right now. We're going to have to do more on that one another time because okay. they're they're important and I reckon you know anything that does better account oh, linking yes. flows I think is good, but I don't get this one yet. Okay. And then they have this mysterious they kind of teased this this feature that isn't available yet called household authentication. All and right. I do have some questions on this. Yeah. So like if if I am a person in the household and I go to Google device one, and I start up a game. And then later I go to Google device two and started that same game. Am I the same person in each of those or am I two different people? That depends on a lot of things, which will take far more than the time we have left to discuss. Okay. But it, it does, it does relate to whether the voice, whether you've set up voice authentication, mm -hmm. whether you have set up voice authentication for the person doing the invocation, or whether they're a guest, um, or whether the it's completely unverified, and there are various ways that we can check for this on as as developers. Um, and although I don't have details about this since it hasn't been released yet, I imagine it's related to that. The other interesting bit, and I touched on this one once long a couple of episodes ago, is that they have this notion of. Uh, home storage. So there is something that is available to all of the devices on a home network. They didn't say this, but I'm wondering if the household account linking ties into that as well. So you're now able to say these authenticated users will have access to the home storage and everyone else won't. So everybody that has access to the home storage theoretically could share their game state or whatever right. across sessions, um, but those that aren't each would have individual ones. Correct. Because you know, on the Alexa side, you, you know, all the devices are linked to your Amazon account, so they're all linked to one ID that that gets stored. Now, recently, they you know they've they've we've had voice profiles for a while, so I can define a voice profile for me and for each member of my household. And just recently was announced the ability to um, get access to those, uh, to a unique ID for each person. So if it recognizes you as a unique person with a voice profile, then you get your own personalization ID, which is different than the user ID or which was really the account ID. And it was um, the account ID for the device. It was never the account ID for the user. Well, the account ID is actually a, it's not device dependent, actually. So okay. everybody, yeah, everybody on Alexa device, I could use any device and it would go back to that one same account. Okay. Um, but with the, with the new voice profiles, then uh, I could, you know, have a different, uh, different people. So I could have individual storage for a person based. So it sounds like in some ways, the household storage thing was like by default on that was the way that Alexa did it by default. And now they're adding this additional ability to separate uh, voice profiles into additional accounts so that you could have storage based on user as well. So yeah, I, this is one of those, it's an interesting feature and there are certainly some, some applications that I think will take advantage of it, but I don't, I don't see this as a huge deal. Certainly nothing as huge a deal as monetization, yes. which, which was the entire last subject that they talked about. 
and yet they talked about it incredibly vaguely. Yeah, I was going to say they they really talked about this is so important about monetization, and then I was I didn't feel like I got any meat or potatoes. No. With it. So well, but you got promises of meat and potatoes. Okay. Well, because because all of the announcements are you know coming later this year or early next year. That that always makes me chuckle. If it's not yeah. something that I can sign up immediately for for a preview or a beta for, Why? then then yeah, it's I. Thanks for putting a stake in the ground and saying where you were going to go. Yeah, but that doesn't help me. And 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 honestly, <laughs> the where we're going to go is things like we're going to support transactions, which is the the equivalent of an in-scale purchase. So we're going to mm -hmm. support transactions on a smart display, which we didn't support before. Yeah. Oh, and that's yeah. There, I I like Alexa's support for 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 in-scale purchasing with displays because you get a. A nice card with the button and the description and you, you, yeah um, it's, I, it's a good it's a good experience i mean I've, I've never seen a transaction i've never seen a transaction on the assistant for that matter anywhere on the assistant but from what i've heard from people who have tried to implement it it doesn't work at all on smart displays this sounds like it's it's bringing it to smart displays and will be uh allowing people to enter in the the, the credit card validation code on a smart display itself so, Which is interesting because yeah, we just Alexa just sidesteps that completely and says you've got an Alexa account, uh, an Amazon account, and we know your credit card number anyway. So that's what we're using. You don't get to enter in your, in your own credit card. Depending how they do it, this could be actually be very interesting because be. Chrome lets you enter in credit card profiles, which are active. You know, when so when you go to a form field, it fills in everything. Yep. But it doesn't fill it in there's a little pop-up that comes up in Chrome that says, which credit card do you want to use? You can get to pick a credit card. And then it makes you validate it with the, the, the validation number, the three or four digit okay. number. Mm -hmm. it so it, store so that. it sounds like the assistant may leverage that same technology Ooh. on a smart display, which would make a whole lot of sense if they that did. Does, yeah, that does make sense. Which, you know, makes me believe they won't do that. But if they, did oh alan <laughs> it, I, I, come on we've been using this technology way too long um but if they did that would be a fantastic way to leverage uh the technologies that they have in chrome already but you know so that we can you know that we leverage by using the keyboard where it makes sense and using voice and display to simplify things where that makes sense yes and i think this is one of those perfect places to do so yeah i i, I totally agree so then hopefully it, uh, it uh, turns out that the way that we logically think it should work is the way it actually works. That would be really, really nice. <laughs> and I think the other, the other bonus is that once again, it's handled locally. Yeah. So the credit card, so, so, so pushing more and more of the, the private knowledge into the devices themselves, into relatively inexpensive devices. Yeah. So, you know, we're not requiring $600,000 phones to do this stuff. Yes, very cool. Do we do we go through everything? I, I think, think that was everything. You know, I think whenever, we did. Well, that's yeah. Which is good because this has gone on way too long. I'm sure this is probably our longest episode. This is really long, but um, so I guess save it. Watch half of it and then come back later and watch the other half. No, but I think it's all good. I think you know anything that helps improve the developer environment just means we're going to have more people building more and better stuff and i think that yeah. that, that helps everyone really yeah i think so too and and uh, i i love the hardware events um it's interesting to see what they're doing hardware wise but uh i'm definitely a developer at heart yeah i'm um, a software developer i'm sorry unless unless and, you tell me uh, how, you can't show me a feature and then not tell me how i get access to it exactly so give me give me something that I can use to make these voice experiences better. Yep, and you know, I, I again, I feel like making things as open as possible lets us as developers push things forward just a little. Yeah, you know, using these platforms in ways that are just outside the bounds of what they were expecting, and that pushes the whole the whole field forward. And I think that's a good thing. I think so too. I think. Uh, um, it's it's great to to know what's happening and to get access to things. Um, you know, if you're listening to this or, or or watching and you've used some of these new features and you've have feedback on them, please let us know. Uh, we'd love uh, yeah. some comments 
either uh, on, on YouTube or through uh, Twitter probably, and uh, just to let us know what, you, what you're thinking about these things. You know, where do you want to push the technology forward? What features do you need? Or how are these features going to help you do some really awesome stuff? Because at the end of the day, that's what we want to do, is we want to help you make really awesome stuff. And uh, I guess that's a wrap for the, this uh, episode of Two Voice Devs. Thanks for joining, everyone. Take care. Yeah, see you.